This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, as always, Dr. Andy Johnson. The title of today's podcast is called Jessica Winter, Lucy Cockins, Units of Study, and the Way to Get Good Reading Instruction. Long title, I know. Now, Jessica Winter is an editor at The New Yorker, where she writes about family and education. And she recently wrote an article for The New Yorker entitled The Rise and Fall of Vibes-Based Literacy. Now, in this series of podcasts, I'm analyzing this article because it describes or misdescribes reading instruction. And as I first started reading this article, I realized that Jessica Winter had no idea of what she was talking about. Her misrepresentations and ununderstanding could have a negative impact if readers actually took what she wrote seriously. And since The New Yorker has a circulation of over a million readers, I felt I should say something. But will my humble little podcast actually make a difference with my listenership of maybe a thousand on a good day? Will it change anyone's mind? I don't know, but at least I can sleep at night. Jessica Winter's article represents everything that's wrong and harmful about the current science of reading movement. And that's why I'm analyzing. It's a good representation of the whole science of reading things. That's because it's based on a knowledge base related to reading instruction that's shallow and disjointed. Little knowledge. It relies, like the science of reading, on anecdotes, personal experience, and emotions to create a picture that's not at all accurate. And like the science of reading movement, Jessica Winter's article uses very unscientific processes to try to understand reading instruction. And when you use unscientific methodology to come to know things, you must expect to get cartoonish portrayals and misinformation. And I always find it a bit ironic that a movement with science in the title, like the science of reading, is in actuality so very unscientific in its methods used to understand reading reality. Now, Jessica Winter's article used the term vibes-based literacy. It was in the title. And that's meant to demean those who are teaching literacy in a way that she doesn't understand. And like Emily Hanford, she seems to think she knows about reading instruction. After all, she's a journalist, just like Emily Hanford. She must know what she's talking about. Now, in an earlier podcast, I called Jessica Winter a clown. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. And I've referred to Emily Hanford as a clown. Maybe I shouldn't have said that either. I don't know. But it's the truth of the matter. And I'm not trying to be demeaning or pejorative here. But that's what they are. Now, they're not actual clowns. They don't belong to a circus or wear big shoes or a rubber nose. 
And I don't think they jam themselves into small cars with other clowns. The word clown here is used as a metaphor. It's a bit of metaphorical shorthand. A clown, in literacy terms, is a person who thinks they know much about literacy instruction when, in fact, they know very little. And it's not a very complimentary term, I know. But being a literacy clown is not something most people should aspire to be. But yet, here we are. So, like the science of reading advocates, and I sometimes call them a clown club, Jessica Winter, in her article, gets all muddled up about things. She gets all confused about reading workshop and balanced literacy and Lucy Calkins' units of study, whole language, queuing systems, and the look-say approach. So I'm going to try to disambiguate these things and do a bit explaining on them. Because in their eyes, as their articles are written, these all seem to be the same things, when in fact, these are all distinctly different things. As I described in a previous podcast, reading workshop is not a method. It's an approach to teaching reading. And it's one of several approaches. Now, it's not a method with step-by-step -step procedures that have to be followed like a recipe. And as I described in another podcast, reading workshop looks distinctly different in each teacher's classroom. So you cannot equate reading workshop with balanced literacy with units of study or whatever that is. So why does Lucy Calkins always get in the mix here? I don't understand that. In the 90s, I read Lucy Calkins' book, The Art of Teaching Writing and The Art of Teaching Reading. Great books. Go read them. Very influential in helping us evolve our thinking about how children best learn literacy and how we can create the conditions to best enable all students to reach their full literacy potential. After all, we meaning-based literacy instructors are about much more than simply teaching children how to sound out words. We're teaching children to become literate. Not sound out words, but to become literate. Being literate means you're able to use reading and writing for authentic purposes and not to simply identify what bubble to fill in on a standardized test. If you are literate, you're able to use expository text to know and understand. You're able to read for enjoyment. You're able to use writing to think, to record, to transmit your ideas. We're teaching children how to be and become literate. That's what meaning-based teachers do. And for Jessica Winters, literacy is not a permanent state. It's a dynamic state. We don't reach a single point where we are in a stable place and say, now I am here. If we continue to read, write, and think, our literacy skills continue to evolve throughout 
our lifetimes. And this is important because if we don't do these things once we leave school, if we don't continue to read, write, and think, our literacy skills devolve. So if we create literacy programs like the science of reading seems to be advocating, if we create programs that are so boring, humiliating, frustrating, that students never want to read and write once they leave school, we're promoting illiteracy, devolution, and limitations. Now, back to Lucy Calkins. She was one of many great writers of the time. She's got great stuff to say. I admire her. Lucy Calkins wrote some really good stuff. But so did a lot of other people. Reggie Routman, Nancy Atwell, Donald Graves, Constance Weaver, Marie Clay, Brian Camborn, Richard Allington, and Ken and Yetta Goodman. More on, the, on Goodman in just a minute, because I know people get all riled up when they hear that name. But Lucy Calkins no more represents and speaks for all meaning-based instruction than I represent and speak for all neurotic bald men. She is one of many good writers and thinkers out there. And as I said, everything evolves. That's the thing about understanding literacy and literacy research and the science of reading. Everything evolves. People continue to study, research, learn, and change their views on things. They evolve. The field of literacy instruction, it's a dynamic, constantly changing thing as we get more knowledge and new knowledge. We never get to the place where something is proven once and for all, as science of reading people like to say. Science has not proven this or unproven that. That represents a naive understanding of science and reading science. Controlled experimental research is used to support or not support an individual research hypothesis. And in order to control all extraneous variables, good research focuses on a very specific thing with a very specific problem and a very specific population. All of these studies are used to create research-based theory and not only controlled experimental research, but qualitative research, ethnographic research, all these different kinds of research are used to make up theories. And a theory is a way to explain a set of facts, and we use them to understand phenomena. Different theories explain different facts differently. But theories continue to evolve in all manners of science. They continue to evolve until they no longer explain phenomena. They become inadequate or weak. Then they're replaced by new theories. That's the way it works in science. Now, I've written three books about reading instruction, and you can see the evolution of my thinking with each. And even though I thought my last book was my best, as I hope I do with all my books, I see a need to start on another one. 
And while I thought Lucy Cockin's book about teaching writing was one of the best ones back in the 90s, I found recently that I couldn't use it today simply because it didn't capture what needed to be said today. Thus, I had to write my own book about teaching writing, published by Rutledge, due out in 2024 sometime. That was a little commercial. Being and Becoming Teachers of Writing, a meaning-based approach. Look for it on your bookshelves soon. All right, now let's go to the Teachers College Writing, Reading and Writing Project, which is a short-term, uh, Teachers College is used as a short-term, and Units of Study. Somehow, Jessica Winters and the Science of Reading Clowns, and I say that in the most respectful way possible, have equated Teachers College and units of study, and Lucy Calkins is a binary proposition opposite of science of reading. In other words, if you are not fully aligned with the science of reading propositions, whatever they are, then you must be following Lucy Calkins and teacher colleges, etc. in lockstep. It's one or the other. And this is where it gets really, really silly. There are many manifestations and iterations of meaning-based literacy instruction, and that's what makes it so powerful and effective, because it requires teachers to know and understand some important principles about literacy learning. However, they must then adopt and adapt only those research-based strategies that meet the needs of their students and align with their own teaching styles and philosophy. There is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all program. What works for one may not work for another. There are no magic bullets. There's only magic teachers with teacher toolboxes filled with research-based tools and they are empowered to use those tools. Now, thinking that a school could buy a particular program or a curriculum or even units of study is the antithesis of good meaning-based literacy instruction. It's Falderall being promoted by the Science of Reading Clown Club. And I mean that in the most complimentary way. To think that you're going to solve all reading problems by purchasing and then mandating a particular program or curriculum is just silly. It's foolish. It represents clown-based thinking. And then to force teachers, as the Science of Reading Clown Club wants to do, to teach in a particular way disempowers them and disallows them to create instruction that best meets the needs of all their students. These top-down mandates serve only to force teachers to commit educational malpractice on a daily basis. And any school superintendent who's silly enough to think that he or she can buy a product to solve their reading problems probably shouldn't be a superintendent. They should probably look for a position on the home shopping network instead. If you think you have to pay for very expensive special training that you can use only if you've been trained, like letters or Orton Gillingham, 
You can't use it if you haven't been trained. If they think you need that to get good reading instruction, well, you're just misinformed. The way to get good reading instruction is and always has been very simple to understand. We need knowledgeable literacy teachers. That's the answer, not some silly product or curriculum. Expert reading teachers, knowledgeable reading teachers, expert reading teachers have six kinds of knowledge. And here they are. If you're an expert reading teacher, you have knowledge of how humans learns. Human learning, that's number one. Number two, expert reading teachers have knowledge of how the brain creates meaning with print, how it operates during the reading process. Three expert reading teachers have knowledge of literacy teaching and learning. Number four, expert reading teachers have knowledge of literacy research. Number five, expert reading teachers have knowledge of literacy assessment and diagnosis. And six, expert reading teachers have knowledge of literacy pedagogy, different strategies. Now, you can't bypass this knowledge by trying to buy the right program with a script that must be followed with fidelity. And you can't teach treat teachers as if they're mindless zombies waiting for the directives of educational management. And you can't expect that teachers will learn all this stuff in three semesters of any teacher preparation program. It's just not possible. The only way to improve reading instruction is by providing legitimate and mandated teacher professional development that occurs over time. It's not a one-stop kind of thing. It's not a drive-through experience. Now, you might think that you need to pay the leeches and bloodsuckers to come to your school to get everyone all trained up. But training is what we do with dogs and seals. We don't train people. We educate them. We need good, legitimate professional development for teachers, not the one-and-done after-school workshop. And there are ways to do this without wasting thousands and even millions of dollars that could be in spent instead on good books. And I'll describe this in another podcast. But two things I want to finish up with. First, the science of reading. What exactly? My clown friends insist that science of reading-based teaching should occur in classrooms. And I actually agree with them. I do. That's exactly what I describe in my books. What I'd like Emily Hanford and Jessica Winter and other clowns to tell me is this. What exactly do you want to see more of? What strategies and teaching practices specifically are not there that should be there? And how do you know they're not there? And two, what exactly do you want to see less of? What strategies and teaching practices are there that should not be there? And if we would limit the conversation to specific teaching strategies and teaching practices, we might get somewhere. But instead, look what you're doing. You're forcing me to call you clowns. 
and I don't enjoy calling you clowns. But when you won't engage in a meaningful way, I'm left to use this very childish type of metaphorical shorthand. I don't want to do it. All right, let's talk about Ken Goodman. My science of reading friends disagree. They know they should disagree vehemently with Ken Goodman, not because they've read anything he's written, but because they've been told they should disagree with him. They've been told he's wrong, he's bad, he's crazy. And many of these same adjectives, I'm sure, are being applied to me, and that's okay. I'm, I'm a big boy, I can take it. But that's not good scientific thinking. Now, I don't agree with everything that Ken Goodman wrote. <clears throat> I agree with much of it. I don't agree with everything that anybody wrote. I don't even agree with everything that I wrote. That's why I keep changing and evolving. <clears throat> and like all good thinkers, Ken Goodman continued to evolve throughout his life. His later material on eye movement and miscue analysis should be required reading for all teachers of reading. And before you make any pronouncement about Ken Goodman, you owe it to yourself to actually read what he wrote and tell us exactly what it is you disagree with. That's good scientific thinking. Don't rely on misquoted statements pulled out of context. Ken Goodman did some incredible work in his life. And if you disagree with him, fine. Tell us exactly what it is you disagree. Make your statement and support it. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to end with four terms. And I don't know if this is a good way to end or not, if it's positive or not, but I'm going to end. These are metaphorical, uh, bits of metaphorical shorthand to quickly pull up what I mean when I say certain things. First of all, I've used the term leeches and bloodsuckers. In literacy terms, these are people who exist to suck the financial blood out of our educational system. All right, very objective about this. Their goal is to become fat and bloated on the hopes and dreams of our parents who want the best for their children. And they come to town like Professor Harold Hill and the Music Man, selling a dream with their slick tables and graphs, promising fantastic results if we buy their method or their product or their program. Very much like Harold Hill's Think Method. They tell us their shiny new products are the answers to all our problems, <clears throat> but these are often solutions to problems that don't exist. And if a problem doesn't exist, they'll make up a problem like the reading crisis to sell their product. Because their problem, the leeches and bloodsuckers, are, is this. How can we make more money? How can we garner more resources? <clears throat> the second term is penguins. Penguins, or more accurately, phonics penguins, are those who squawk and wave their flippers in the air saying, phonics, phonics, we need more phonics. If we just had more phonics, all reading would be solved. All reading problems would be solved. All right? That is a penguin, someone who thinks that phonics is the only thing and the answer for everything. That is a penguin. And in the most objective and respectful terms, I use that. Number monkeys, again, objective and respectful, try to explain the world in terms of numbers. They try to explain learning in terms of numbers. If it can't be quantified, it doesn't exist. 
The only learning that's valued is that which can be tested or quantified. If a tree falls in the middle of a forest and no one there is, is no one is there to assess us, we can't say that tree fell. And they've convinced, not us, but you, that we can test our way to better reading. And of course, a clown is someone who thinks they know a great deal of li about literacy instruction when in fact they know very little. Clowns go around making decisions, promoting policies and programs, and advocating change based on personal anecdotes, I-thinkisms, and documentaries and articles written by journalists. Clowns don't waste their time getting facts if they can make up their own. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. Today, we've looked, uh, analyzed, this was part two of a series of podcasts looking at an article written by Jessica Winter in the New York Times. And this article was called The Rise and Fall of Vibes-Based Literacy. And I'm analyzing this uh, article in a series of podcasts because it so clearly illustrates what is going on in the science of reading movement. Stay tuned for the next part.